You're listening to the Heart and Soul Podcast, where we celebrate vulnerability and shameless living. No topic is off limits when you're chatting with your besties. Let's own our worth and walk empowered towards truth together. All right. What's up, y'all? We are here. Um, Heart and Soul episode 22. 22. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. Everything will be Oh, the harmony. You went high. I was trying. Liz is dancing. We have um, Liz Brantley on the Zoom, which is really um, funny because she's been here every weekend for the last month, (laughs) but still we meet on Zoom because where's the time, you know? (laughs) I mean, honestly, I've been trying to get on this podcast since the like inaugural episode, but I've just been getting denied after denied, but finally they ran out of content. So now I got invited. Yeah, you're welcome. So, thank you. I, I'm so honored to be here and to, to share all of my wisdom finally. You've so. always been top of the list, but you're also like one that we knew we could get because we're so close. Right. Now it's, it's whatever excuse you want to use is fine. It's, it's just Everyone and their mom was on this before me, but it's, it's cool. We're still, we're here. We're trekking. I'm honored. Let's do well, this. I'm glad you're here. We stared away from doing anything remote for like a year because we were too nervous to like, well, you saw us with it. the microphone yeah. in the beginning. We're not the most yeah. technologically no, advanced. So I feel like we just denied anyone. We like made people come here yeah. from other places if they wanted to be on it. And then we realized how easy it was to use. We're like, oh, so. it's t- it's 2020. Yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so new year, new us, new age, new technology, new podcast, new guest, you know? Here we are. All the, all the new, new. Um, well, <laughs> we are going to include Liz on the intro because she's just that good, y'all. Wow. Um, so we're going to go through our happies and crappies. Let's go in order of Chelsea first because you have the happy. <laughs> weekend probably <laughs> okay um you like my ordering system it was so good yeah it made total sense mm-hmm. um <laughs> yeah I had a really really fun weekend that I was initially very stressed about I'm yes. not gonna lie yes you were <laughs> so our entire family basically came into town and um our parents so Jordan and both my parents and Jordan's parents came for the weekend. And then my brother and sister-in-law came as well with their two dogs. And when we have a dog as well. So the idea of all of these people and Jordan's brothers were going to come to coming for one weekend. That was like panicked the whole week. Like, Oh my gosh, we've never had this many people stay at our house at the same time. It's going to be so stressful. Um, so our parents rented an RV to Whoa. park in our driveway. <laughs> yeah so that there was extra beds for them um and Jordan's brothers ended up not coming so there was like eight adults and then the dogs and it worked and it ended up being really fun and it worked out well awesome had the greatest time awesome weather we got to finally enjoy our pool and like have people in our backyard it was my brother's birthday on Sunday so we did big like crawfish and shrimp boil saw that was um yeah, it was just fun. We like didn't go anywhere. We just hung in the backyard, played games, floated in the pool, got some sun, and it was a freaking blast. Um, and then I guess my other happy is that I passed my glucose test. So yeah, praise be. I do not have to do that crap again. Um, I don't really have a crappy, but I guess if I had to 
pick one from this past week, it was just that test in general. It was like mm. really gross and didn't love it. What did it taste was like? Was there a flavor? Dude, that's what I was asking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Out of my head. Um, I was okay. So I went in like very stressed about it because I despise fruit punch and I despise grape wow. thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, if they don't give me an option, I am going to like throw up. Um, and they handed me an orange drink and I was like, all right, I can handle orange. Yeah. Just, that's sun not, kissed. Just yeah. Like, I knew it was orange in my head. When you were talking about this, I was like, it has to be an orange drink because <laughs> I don't know. I just felt the Lord leading me down the orange path. <laughs> maybe you, he <laughs> gave you orange. Well, I was very glad for it. I'll tell you that much. It didn't, the taste of it itself wasn't awful. Like everyone says mm-hmm. it is. It's more just like they hand it to you and they're like, you have five minutes to drink this. So you feel like pressure, There's pressure to chug it. and it's really, really sweet. So mm. it really tastes like a really condensed Gatorade or like kind of oh, like okay. of those like ice pops that you freeze that are in like the plastic. Love you know, it's kind of like that. <laughs> When it's okay. Like- was it warm or was it cold or was it room temperature? Uh, I need all the details here. <laughs> it was room temperature. Now, see, I would be out. I'm out. I can't drink like room temperature. Is it thick? Not thick. It was the same okay. consistency as, as like Gatorade. I really appreciate these questions. I know. Thick room temperature <laughs> drinks are actually the most disgusting. It's like drinking your own vomit, honestly, at that point. Ew. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it was not great. And it was like, it just kind of made left that like film on your teeth kind of sweet you know yeah and so I had to go back into my car I had to wait an hour but then I had my like actual doctor appointment in between that so that kind of helped kill some time when we're sitting there when they call me back in as I'm waiting to see the doctor and I'm sitting there like oh man like I do not feel good at all I didn't feel like I was gonna puke but it was just sitting like heavy just Mm -hmm. in my Mm -hmm. stomach and with a baby in there he was moving like crazy. Like, what yeah, is he like, this doing? Is he's yeah. ODing on sugar right now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which I hated like the thought of even doing that. So anyway, it was not, it wasn't awful, but it was definitely like, you know, I'm really glad I don't have to do a second one because yeah, one and done. Sure. Yeah. Not the, the most enjoyable experience I've ever had. So yeah, that would be mine. For real. Um, Who's next? I'll go. I'll go. Cool. I'll go next. Um, my happy is that Liz is my roommate. In that <laughs> for, my happy the last like three weeks has been that Liz is in town and she came in town again. This past oh, yes. At this point. I um, have real friends in a real life. I do promise that. It's just quarantine. Why would you not? You yeah. Know? I mean, same though. Like I'm, it's not like we, we do anything when you get here. That's the best part. What? No. Yeah. I just didn't want to seem like a shut in. All right. Right. Yeah, I just want to make other people know I have I have people. Okay. <laughs> but I'm choosing you that. as my people. I'm choosing yeah, I, you. I appreciate that. Okay, cool. <laughs> um so yeah, that was a, that's a happy um my crappy and this is like not really that crappy except that I have sun poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> and I I don't actually have sun poisoning but you have severe sunburn. I have severe sunburn right now. Liz and I laid out on the beach yesterday and I fell asleep. And next thing you know, I'm up and I'm a tomato. And it didn't really, like, I felt like, oh, this is really hot, but it didn't hit until we were in the car on the way home. And I was like, oh no, like this is painful. Yeah. 
And then I woke up this morning and my eyes were like swollen. They were like mm-hmm. poofy. And this one time it brought me back to like this really PTSD moment where I, uh, I don't know what happened, but I was about to start my first big girl job. And I, um, went to bed that night and I guess I didn't wash my face properly. Some sort of like mascara situation got in my eye and I woke up yeah. the next day for the first day of my job and my eye was puffed out like hitch. Like, yes, not an exaggeration. Yes. Like, and I'm an exaggerator, but I swear <laughs> it was like, you no, full and shut and then poofed out. And I like kept thinking like, if I'm coaching today and it keeps getting like that, that's going to, that's not, mm-hmm. that's not, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, that's not it's swollen now. I know it went down. Thank God. Cross God. Crazy, though, how your body, I mean, reacts to sun is like, yeah, a really very real, um, what's the word? Like inflammatory response. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. yeah big words. Yeah. <laughs> you should get one of those masks that are like the green, you know, with just the whole face. Yeah. That's like an ice pack basically for your face, but not. Really you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a lot of things I should get. Whole like Foods probably has it. You could probably get I have that. I will plant at home. You can, I'll bring you a leaf. You, you can, can squeeze, squeeze it out. Squeeze it on your face. Yeah. Yeah, I probably won't do that, but <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things you could do, and I doubt you'll do any of them until it naturally <laughs> sets in, goes away. <laughs> yeah, it'll be all right. It'll be, good. it'll be fine. It's fine. I'm fine. Everything's right, fine. Um, so my happy, I would say, has been moving in with the Bankos. Um, <laughs> the happiest I've ever been is being their roommate. <laughs> just kidding, but it has been awesome to just, you know, one of the great things about quarantine is that it has allowed me to like be more creative in the way that I connect with people. And so being able to come and work remotely from y'all's house has truly been a a big blessing. Just, I think for our friendship, but also just for me, like it like spiritually refuels me just to be like in a new environment and things like that. Yeah. Um, and so that's been awesome. And so that's like a continuous happy, my crappy would probably be that I did the workout Murph this past weekend on Saturday with one of my friends and I haven't done pull-ups in, I don't know, quarantine. Like I, there hasn't been a pull-up bar where I've been working out. And this past Saturday we had a pull-up bar. And so you have to do a hundred pull-ups and on pull-up number 70, my hands decided to just rip wide open. And so it's a podcast, so no one can see it, but they're just like destroyed. Like my hands are just torn up. Um, they're actually doing a lot better now because the skin's starting to heal. But that first I don't know if you guys have ever ripped your hands working out, but it's like the pain that you feel if you were to have an open wound and put like hand sanitizer in it is how it feels when there's just water on it. And so Mm -hmm. it's like conditioner, shampoo, body soap. Those just don't exist for like the first day that um, you have hand rips. So that would be my crappy because it was not fun. That, um, that never is fun. That sucks. That first time you get in the shower, just going back to me, you know, cause it's all about me. The first time you get in the shower after a sunburn is the same feeling. Yeah. Where you're yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter the temperature, hot, cold, doesn't cold. matter. Yeah. Hurts yeah. so bad. And so bad. I have this scar on my chest. This is like a really embarrassing story, but shameless living. My first vacation <laughs> with Michael's family I um, had a pimple on my chest and I was like really embarrassed about it. So I like aggressively picked at it on the first day of vacation to like try and get it off. Anyways, it turned into a scar and 
now I've it's never noticed it. It's forever there. Well, it's really inflamed right now because I wore Liz's vest for the Murph yesterday. Mm. And I had a tank top on and it was scratching up against the scar. And then that mm. plus the sunburn, it looks like that now. It looks like an actual like boil. Like yeah. you burned it's itself with boil. Oh, that's gross. And again, I'm so glad y'all can't see this, but it's not well. I'm not well. We're not well. We're not well. We're not well. The struggle bus has left our stations. Um, well, we're going to get right into who Liz is. First, I'll just tell you a little bit about um, our our friendship because it's <laughs> all about me. Um, <laughs> but Liz, Liz and I met um, actually so randomly when I was in college. So it was 2011, 2010, 2011, and I was on OU's campus. Liz, mind you, lives in North Carolina. She had gone on a mission trip with two girls from my college. And that semester she had visited them on campus and I was riding my bike around town and bumped into them riding on their bikes and we like stopped and chatted. Okay. So did you know the friends? Already? I knew the friends. I okay. knew the two girls she went with. Okay. And I was, this is my friend Liz. Well, I was like, Hey, what's up girl? It was like super quick. Well mm -hmm. then flash forward to 2014, I moved to Wilmington. I'm sitting on the beach with like my new friends first week here and Liz is there and I'm like, I know you. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how I know you, but I know you. So like we start putting together, who do you know? Like where did you go to school? No, I didn't go to ECU. I don't know. Finally put, put together the pieces of these OU girls. And I'm like, wait a minute. You were on mm -hmm. a bike ride with them in 2011, 2010. She was like, yes, that was me. And I was like, we met then. Wow. Isn't yeah, that crazy? so crazy. That yeah, I was literally like, she said she was from OU or, you know, from that area. And I was like, you know, that, that campus has thousands of mm -hmm. people Massive, and right? I was like oh yeah I think I even said like I'm there's like, I no people, chance but there's no way that yeah. you know them and so I said their names and she was like oh my gosh and it was like instantaneously she remembered that moment and as soon as you said it I was like that was me we have already met we go wow. way back we're so it's almost like we were destined to be friends like we got to see oh, 100 so then um 2014 was when I moved here and we we really kind of probably kicked it off. We got into a Bible study together, but we really became like really good friends like a year after that. And, uh -huh. um, she and I and our friend Catherine were like, we call each other the big three, like inseparable. It was right when this is us is coming out. Yeah. So or had come out. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to, um, <laughs> and then, and then we, we walked through that last year of Liz living in Wilmington. The three of us walked through like really difficult seasons and yeah. we'll get into that. But um, then at around the same time after that really difficult year, um, Liz and Catherine moved <laughs> away. <laughs> so, so now we are long distance friends. And I mean, she's only two hours away, hence why she's here every weekend. But our, what I love about Liz, and we'll, we'll get into this, is her intentionality and her like voice for the voiceless and like how she can relate and um, confide in women. And so I've, I've always known since the beginning of our podcast that you would be the perfect guest. Um, but you know, the stars aligned and this is the week that you're on. So wait, Praise so, God. so did you go to ECU? Yeah, I went to ECU. Yeah, I grew up in Raleigh and then went to Greenville for school and then lived there and then had literally nothing else to do after. I did a year internship after graduation had nothing to do. And I was like, I've always wanted to live at the beach. And so just kind of uprooted my life, went to Wilmington, stayed there for three years and then felt the Lord call me back to Greenville. And so that's how I ended up back here. So. Okay. What years 
She was at ECU. Yeah. Oh, Brew? Oh, I was there from 2009 to 2013. Okay. So I was there 2010 to 2012. And then I transferred here. Oh, nice. So maybe we were, we crossed paths. Maybe. Isn't that that wild? I think about that all the time. Like you could, I mean, even like you and Michael, like how you guys were in the same room at things. So wild. Yeah. Michael and I went to college together and there's like pictures of us from the same night at the same date parties in the same exact room. And we never met. But you never knew. You say that, how we wish we could go back and look because so I ended up transferring to UNCW and my husband mm-hmm. went to UNCW, but we didn't met until we moved back to Raleigh post-grad. And it turned out we lived on the exact same street, um, <laughs> probably like past each other, probably saw each other at bars and parties. And yeah. Did the like whole wave thing when you like drive by on the street and you're like, wave. yeah, yeah for sure. and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm glad we met when we did because we were both totally in different seasons of life in college, but oh, yeah. same, same. we wish that we could go back and just, see oh and his roommate worked at the same restaurant I worked at like it was yeah so that is wild yeah Yeah. before we get into Liz introducing herself I want to just clarify what this word brew means because (laughs) you're gonna hear it a lot from from us throughout the interview so all the cool kids apparently in Greenville say this word bet like if something's cool you say oh yeah bet or if Basically, it can be like a response to anything. Anything, honestly, it goes for anything. And just for clarification's sake, it's not just a Greenville thing. It's like a, it's an actual word. Like you can Urban Dictionary it. Bet is a thing. But it is it's fine if you want to keep. Right now. I know. Oh, just wait. I felt so old. So well, then okay. So yeah, you're telling me about this bet word, which mine's an actual word. Okay. So Liz Mind comes to town. I I need to cut you off. Liz comes to town <laughs> the first weekend, and she says bet over and over again. I'm like that's the stupidest thing ever. Like why would you just say bet to everything? Well, at the same exact time she's saying that, I'm saying the word rue to everything in response to everything. Good, bad, question mark, rue. Like always, like oh yeah. rue, and she. After we have the conversation Where about did what rue come from, exactly. After we have the conversation about that, about 24 hours into Liz being here the first time, she's like, okay, how are you making fun of me about bet? What the H-E double hockey stick? (laughs) And I was like, oh, I guess no one knows that word. Like, it's not even in Urban Dictionary because it's just something that Michael and I and his family say. And it basically is just the same thing. It's just like a response of like, yeah, like something's, someone's like, you know, Oh, I just did like a hundred pull-ups. You're like, oh, Rue? Like, it's almost like word. Oh, a word. word? Like yeah. when that was a thing back in the day. Yeah, Rue. Okay. But, all right, all but right. Michael and I have just been saying it so much around the house. But now that Liz has moved in, we decided to combine the two words together. So bet and Rue together is brew. All right. And it's so. everything. It's it's so far deeply ingrained in me. You would think that it was like my name. That's how <laughs> often I say brew now. And bet time. is gone. Brew is in and it's here to stay and I'm going to make it. It's going to be on Urban Dictionary. Just 2021 brew is the word of the year. Is Urban Dictionary like Wikipedia where you can just add words? Because I'll just go ahead and add it after this podcast. I don't know. That's a great idea. Okay. I'm I, bet it might there be. is. I feel like it's one of those things you can submit. Brew. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> brew. <laughs> All right. Cool. Now I feel like I'm not even remotely cool. I don't have a word like that. Well, it's brew now. You can, right. you well, see, are. here's the thing about words is you really just make them up and then you just use them. It, we're just conditioning the people around us to understand that this is a word and they the can context. use it whenever. Like there's no bad situation to use brew, frustrated brew. 
uh, happy brew, excited brew. brew, questioning brew. Everything's brew, brew, <laughs> brew. All right. Universal <laughs> words here. <laughs> yeah. And then if you start saying it, then Jordan will start saying it, then Encino will start saying it. And then all, all your clients will start saying it and they're all over oh, yeah. the place. Like it's before we know it, brew Once is going school to gets be- back in session and we take it to college ministry. Brew is going to be like, I'm telling you, it's going to trend, man. It's going to be a thing. I'm excited. Gonna be, I'm going to have anything I put on Instagram, like my caption for the rest of the year, just going to be brew. Brew. Absolutely. Brew, yes. Like, I'm a hashtag. No, it's B-R-O-O. It's B-R-O-O. all lowercase too. Don't front with a capital B. It's all lowercase. If you put a lower, uh, if you put it all capitalized, we realize it just looks like bro. Bro. Oh, right. right. And that's a big brew. Lowercase, brew. just brew. It, it makes sense. Oh my gosh. It slaps. So many listeners. <laughs> um. <laughs> Anyways, back to you, Liz. Why don't I know that I just introduced you, but why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, how, what you do, what's, who is Liz Brantley? Okay, cool. So I am the women's pastor at a church here in Greenville called Ignite. Um, and so I have the privilege of serving in that capacity, but also have the honor of serving in our college ministry as well. That's actually how I got my start here at Ignite. Um, and our college ministry is called Fuse, and we meet on the campus of ECU every Tuesday. Um, and we get to see over, over 300 students weekly and just be able to love on them and pour into them. And so it's kind of been a really cool blending of my jobs because initially I was working just with college students. And then we realized, wait, there's so many women in our church that aren't, that don't have necessarily a pastor or someone that that is kind of shepherding over them. And so it allowed what I was already doing in our college ministry to kind of be expanded to our entire church. Um, and so that's been really cool been doing that women's ministry for I think a year and a half now two years is very new at our church Um, so that's been a super exciting season of my life but also really challenging to kind of how do you just make up a ministry in a church that's already really well established with women that already go here it's not like we were just all of a sudden inviting women in it's like how do you minister to anyone that's 18 to 80 and just trying to love on them and show them Jesus and it's grown me a lot because there are a lot of life experiences that I think kind of hallmark women like getting married or having a baby or having a family and things like that. And there's seasons that I haven't necessarily been able to step into. And I thought for a while, like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to minister to women. I don't know how to be a woman. Like, I don't even know what that means. Um, but God's just shown me so much favor in being able to do that. So that's kind of um, what I do, the, you know, ins and outs of what I get to do. It's a lot of meetings, a lot of hanging out with um, people, a lot of hanging out with women. We also do some like bigger events here at the church. Um, Usually in January, we have a huge event. Um, The first year we had it, it was like over 500 women came, um, which was really big for us. I thought there was going to be like 50 people that showed up and that would have been a win. Um, So yeah, it's just really cool meeting people, loving on people, being able to use some of my gifts to pour into them and things like that. So that's kind of me in a, in a long nutshell. Yeah, what I mean, what I love about that is one, a lot of churches don't have a women's pastor. Like it's kind of mm-hmm. like newer of a title, and like uh, I think that a lot of Christian churches haven't really eased into figuring out how to mm-hmm. incorporate that into their staff. Um, mm-hmm. So it's cool that you're kind of paving the way at that church, and in paving the way, you're also like the first women's pastor there, I and know, so you kind of like what, what I love about your specific journey is like you moved to Greenville in hopes that you would become the women's pastor, not because 
you were already the women's basketball. Yeah. Like yeah, you kind of whole... created this dream and position for you because you knew your gifts. And that's like really cool and encouraging probably to a lot of w- listeners right now because yeah. they have this dream or this set of passions that they really want to pursue, but they, it might, there might not be an outlet for them to pursue it. Yeah. And so they have to create it. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause it's like the whole journey of me coming back to Greenville, it really can just kind of be summed up with like, when God says, go, go. And so when I, it was January of 2017 and we were actually in the mountains together um, for new year's and Catherine and our other friend, Catherine were taking forever to wake up. And I woke up super early. And so I was like, what am I going to do with all this time? And so I actually just decided to spend some time with the Lord. And I felt like this very clear calling on my life of you will go back to Greenville. You will ask for a job. They will make a way like, and all these things. I was like, I'm not going to do that. Like I'm not uprooting my life yet again. I'm not going to go beg at my church that I used to go to when they just hired two new people. They're trying to build a permanent like location. They have no money. I'm not doing these things. And like the Lord, I could not shake that. And I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And then all of a sudden before I knew it, I was like emailing my old college pastor and just being like, Hey, I know it's been three years since you've seen me, but I was wondering if we could get lunch. And, um, just even through that connection, like I said, when I, and when I came back, I didn't immediately step into that position. I was an intern for like a year again. And then when I was able to kind of re like introduce myself to people, they did begin to see this need of like, wow, Liz, you do have some of these abilities and giftings. Like if you could do anything, what would you do? And those were, that's when the conversation started. So it was like a faithful step that led to kind of like a grind for a little bit to finally an open door. And so that was kind of a, it's, it's just been a really cool God story the whole time. Something else that's unique is like what you're saying, Catherine, there's not a lot of women's pastors. And because I think historically, like the pastor's wife always just took that role. And while I think that in a lot of contexts, that's super beautiful, sometimes it can be a little intimidating for women. And so I feel like for this to be its own position, its own thing, it's kind of opened a lot of unique doors that might not have been able to be open before. And it's allowed me to just use my story and my platform in a really unique way. Yeah, that's so cool. And what I love about that too, is it's such a good example for women, like Catherine said, who might have this um, desire or some sort of dream. They might not even know what it is, or if, if there is even anything out there that remotely looks like that calling. And the fact that you, isn't, it's not like a just cut and dry thing. Like, oh, well, I saw a, you know, an ad for a women's pastor and I answered it. Like you kind right. of let God lead you to that point, which is so awesome. And the door open. And also, you know, I love that you said you kind of had that imposter syndrome at the beginning, like, oh, well, I I haven't walked these certain stages of life, like marriage or or childbirth or whatever. But I think just being a woman in general, there's just something different about feeling that comfort and that, and that ease, because it can be intimidating, even from like a pastor's wife standpoint, like, pastors often get, they should, I mean, they are put up on a, on a pedestal and you kind of just, what's the word? Not, you're not like lowering the bar by any means because I'm sure you're being just as much of a significant role in their lives, but it's almost like you're, you're getting, on, you're getting on the same level as them. Yeah. 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 But, so that's really cool. Yeah. It's been a really cool journey for sure. Definitely not an easy one. And like, 
it's just, if I've learned anything, it's just, like I said, if God tells you to go, you go and you don't have to have all the pieces of the puzzle put together before you start like pursuing things. Mm -hmm. I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. Like I know I work with a lot of college students and obviously one of the transitions that they have to work through is like, okay, what's next? Like with graduation and how do I live my life after I get kind of thrown out of this bubble? And what I think a lot of people don't tell college students is like your twenties, like early twenties from like 21, 22 to probably like 25, 26, maybe even to when you're like 30, you don't know what you're doing. No one knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so like this, this notion that you have to have everything together when you get that diploma, it's so crippling to people because they don't even allow themselves to kind of explore or to be creative or allow God to even speak into certain avenues of their life because it's like, oh my gosh, I have to have a job. I have to have a plan. I have to do all these things. It's like, if you can just graduate and walk into the season of like freedom of God, use me however you want to use me, lead me where you want me to go. And I'll be obedient to that and not have this pressure of like, I have to have it all figured out by 25. It's going to free you up to allow God to do so many incredible things in your life because you're not sticking to this schedule or this regiment or this list of things that you think you need to accomplish. You're really allowing God to be God and to speak into areas and really take you to places that you never thought you would go. And scripture becomes real when it talks about like, he will do immeasurably more than all that we could ask or imagine. Like I would have never pictured this for my life, but here I am. And it's not because of anything that I've done necessarily. It's just, just walking forward and doing the things that God's called me to do in the season that he's called me to do them in. Yeah. And being open to it. Yeah. And it also frees you up from pressure of like, mm-hmm. like what you, what you said, and I'm glad that you did about like your twenties is you put this pressure on like by 24, I'm going to be mm-hmm. engaged by 25. I'll be married <laughs> by 26. I'll have kids. Well, I was 29 and not married yet. So it's like, yeah. Oh, all this plan that all those plans went away. But when you, when you free yourself up and say, okay, God, I'm trusting you with this day, with this year in this place, even if that year seems like a failed season in that mm-hmm. it doesn't turn out the way that you expected it to, it's never a fail year right. because God's going to use that time. So, that's right. I mean, I, I, I think you and I talk, have talked about this before, but like one of my favorite quotes and so I can't take credit for it. Someone told me in college when I was trying to make a decision, what do you know? And they said, <laughs> no time is time wasted when it's given to God. So it's not like, you know how you always like, I don't know about you, but I, whenever I would go through a breakup, I'd be like, Oh my God, I just wasted two years of my life. (laughs) And like, that'll preach with that person. But you really didn't like, you didn't learn so so much much, and you wouldn't be the person that you are for the next person or for your husband or spouse Mm -hmm. without that relationship. So it's not a waste of time. And I love that you mentioned in, in that twenties, season after you took the step towards Greenville is it was a grind. Like it wasn't yeah. easy. I didn't just like wake up as a woman's pastor. I had to like do the grunt work and like yeah. gr- grit it and grind it out. I think that's yeah. another um, valid point too with, with the whole college into adulthood experience. Like even aside from like spiritually, yes, you know, it, things happen when you, when you give them to God and, and open and walk through open doors and, and whatnot. But also just from like a logistical standpoint, I feel like you go to college and you're told by your teachers and your counselors like, Oh, go to this career fair. And like, it, it's just very cut and dry. Like, Oh, well, I have to, I have to find this 
position or I have to reach this status quo right away. And in reality, most of us, like you said, have no clue what we're doing. You have to start mm -hmm. somewhere and it might not mm -hmm. look like you imagined and it might not be what you want to do for the rest of your life, but you just got to start and it's going to mm -hmm. be messy and all over the place. But I think that's such a like common, I just remember that mindset of being like, oh my gosh, I graduated college. I'm an adult now and I have all these responsibilities and, and I have to measure up, measure up and yeah. fit in this mold. And there, it, there really is none, especially yeah. now. And it's never too late to start. Right. Like yeah. I remember in college, I, I used to get so much heat from my admissions counselors and stuff because um, I never took an, I never did an internship or took summer school. I went and worked at summer camp every single summer. And they would tell me every single spring leading up to that summer, like, this is a mistake. If you don't get an internship, you'll never get a job. I never did. An and I was like, either. well, yeah. Frank, I guess I'm never getting a job because I want to work at camp. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's never too late to start. If right. you want to start yeah. an internship at 26, yeah. like you did. Yeah. Go for it. And that's the thing. Like you just kind of have to say, and honestly, that's the thing about following God is like, you can have a plan, but it even talks about like the plans that men come up with their heart, like God's going to lead their steps and guide their steps anyway. And it's like, you just have to be okay with your season looking different than what you imagined. Because if you give it to God, he's going to bring all those things together for the good of those who love him, like scripture says. And so it's like, yeah, exactly. I had already gone through I had a career in Wilmington. I didn't love it, but if I wanted to, I could have stuck with that and I could have worked in the financial business for the rest of my life and retired and been happy. Um, but God obviously had something different. And so I had to go from living by myself, making an income that was, you know, a decent income where I could sustain myself to moving in with a family of five because I couldn't afford to live in Greenville on my own. And like, because of the, the money that I was making working as an intern, like I had to start over again, but it's like, God knew exactly what he was doing because that, if I wouldn't have lived with that family, some of the lessons that I learned there, some of the healing that was brought from just that experience of being around them, some of the very real and hard conversations um, that I had in that house, like if I wouldn't have had those, I wouldn't be who I am as a person today. And, and yes, I think some of those experiences obviously led to my career as well, but it, it was forming me into the best version of myself because it's like it was just God doing the pruning and God kind of stripping the things away of like nope you thought you needed money to be happy you thought you needed a house to be happy you thought you needed x y and z to be happy I'm taking all of those away and I'm going to show you that living in a house of five people when you're 26 barely making enough you probably could have had like food stamps if you needed them like I, I'm going to let you see that I can strip everything away. And if you have me and the vision that I have for your life, you have everything that you need. And, and I think that like so many people are just not willing to take that step of faith because it's like so uncertain and it's like, yeah, I couldn't rely upon the things of this world that bring me security, like finances or insurance or family. Like I couldn't rely upon those things. I had to rely upon the Lord. And because of that, like I've grown so much. And it, again, it's not like, Oh, Liz, you're so awesome at following the Lord. Like there's a lot of mistakes <laughs> to get to that point. There was a lot of mistakes Trust in me. that point. Trust me, honey, I could write the book. I got the t-shirt. Like I am the professional at making mistakes throughout the whole thing. But what's so cool is that God's grace is big enough to cover all of those. So even as you're going, even as you're navigating, even as you're walking, his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. And so it's like, if we can all just learn to have the faith to take that next step forward, his word is a light unto our path. Like he's going to keep lighting up the path as we go. 
and giving us all the things that we need. We just have to trust that God is who he says he is and that he's going to do really great and incredible things. And all we have to do is just be us and be the people that follow in the path that he's kind of laid out for us. Yeah. Um, not to, not to make too light of that, of the <laughs> of hardness, but I do remember you at your lowest low in Wilmington. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking like, I, I remember like seeing joy being stripped from you because mm-hmm. like you weren't. So if you're listening to this podcast then you obviously know, cause you're hearing that Liz has the gift of speaking and like preaching and encouraging people in general. And I just like noticed your light getting dimmer and your voice getting quieter in Wilmington, which was really sad for me because one, I was your friend, but two, like I loved Wilmington so much. And I was like, well, S I J. S-H-I-T. <laughs> like, I know she's got to go because she's got to step into her calling. And, but at the same time, like, I kind of want to transition into like friendships in your twenties. I know this is like a pivot and we didn't talk about this before, but like I, you and I have been talking about this a lot and Chelsea and I have covered it a lot on the podcast of like how seasonal friendships are. And some are for a reason, some are for a season, some are for a lifetime. And mm-hmm. In that, I want to talk about like long distance friendships just real quickly on how they're different, especially as an adult, than your normal college friendships. Like, yeah, touching just as a specific example, I feel like I'm I'm blabbering right now, but as a specific example, like me, Catherine, and Liz, the three, the big three, we all split ways and we went to different states, different or us in the same state, but Liz or Kat across the country. And mm-hmm. we're now having to navigate just like showing up on each other's doorsteps as single women in their twenties to Kat and I got married, Liz moved and became a women's pastor. So we're all like texting in a group text, maybe like once a week, then once a month, then once every three months, then oops, we forgot to talk to each other <laughs> yeah. and like creating an expectation of of what that looks like without feeling like you've lost friendship. Can you just like speak yeah. that for a second? Yeah, I think something that I've kind of learned is that, you know, when you're in college, those relationships are so personal and intimate because you made them. For a lot of people, you went to college and you might have known a few people, but you chose your friends. Like they weren't people that were there because your family was friends with them. They weren't necessarily like you, you chose them, whether it was in a sorority or a different club that you were a part of, you're on a sports team, like the people that you spent time with were the people that you chose to spend time with. And so those relationships become so intimate, so um, real. And you're like, oh my gosh, these are going to last for my lifetime. Like these are going to be my BFFs forever. But you also have to recognize the context that you're in. You're in this bubble, honestly, where it's like all of my friends live within walking distance of me. Like freshman year, you were my neighbor or you were my roommate or you were down the hallway. Like I didn't have to go anywhere. It was really a matter of convenience. Our friendship was really like, that's the kind of glue that kept us together was like, it was so convenient to be these people's friends because they're right here. And so when graduation happens and that bubble kind of explodes a little bit because you go in a million different directions, you really begin to realize what am I actually looking for in a friendship and what am I willing to fight for in a friendship? And those are the people that you've stayed friends with after college or even as you've transitioned into adulthood. Those are the friendships that you actually hold on to and cling to now. And it's also just realizing that like, it's okay if you don't have like a best friend. Like I was just talking to a friend about this the other day because I feel like all of our lives, especially as girls, because we're so relational, 
we're always looking for this like one best friend, like they're our person. She's the Christina to my Meredith. Like we are just these best friends and that's really sweet. And it, it's, it's a reality for some people, but by and large, the truth is, is that you don't have one best friend. You have a lot of really good friends and that's beautiful too. And, and to think that it's like less than because it's not your person, I think is really just robbing you of the beauty of community. And so friendship kind of transitions from this, like my BFF bridesmaid to this is my tribe. These are my people. This is who I can do life with. This is who I can spend my time with. And it really frees up people to just, um, really be in relationship with each other and not have this burden of like, okay, let's say Catherine is my best friend. It's like, well, if Catherine's busy doing something with Michael and I have a huge crisis going on, it's like, now I'm stuck because I put all of my eggs in the Catherine basket, as opposed to putting all of my eggs in my tribe's basket. Mm -hmm. And so when people can help pick up the pieces, when people can be there for me, like I've found that community is something to fight for over just like a friendship, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Friendship is beautiful and necessary, but having a tribe of people that can come around me, a sisterhood of people that can come around me, like that's what I want to fight for. And so it takes so much intentionality. Like it takes, it requires something of me, a sacrifice of me to drive two hours to go hang out with Catherine. Do I gladly do it? Of course, because to me, that's something worth fighting for. Like there has to be this intentionality of like, I'm not going to be perfect in this process of being your friend, but like, so show me grace in the times where I may not have like been there for you in the ways that you needed, but in the ways that I can, I'm going to show up. And if that's a text message or a phone call or doing a zoom chat or, you know, actually showing up at that person's door, or maybe it's sending them flowers or sending them a postcard or just letting them know that you're thinking of them. Like, any way that you can be intentional in those relationships to pour into the tribe of people that surround you. I think that's, what's going to set you up for the most success in life, as opposed to just like trying to find this end all be all best friend, ride or die homie for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And like having grace for the seasons too, like mm -hmm. as you grow older, your tribe looks different and also your original tribe might be in a different geographical location. So having grace for like there, they need to, and they should go to the people in their community before you for yeah. things that they need like firsthand help with. And like, that doesn't make you any less than, you know, like right. we've talked yeah. about on here before those seasons are going to look different, you know, where let's, you two as an example like your friendship probably looked a lot different when there was proximity mm -hmm. to where it sure. is now and yeah. it doesn't mean they're any less you know it, it doesn't make the friendship any less substantial of anything it probably deepens it even more because like you said Liz it, you have to just be even that much more intentional with the time you do spend and the gestures you do show each other and I think it can be hard when you know you you kind of feel pressure to keep up with or talk to everyone. The truth is none of us can do that for all the people that have ever come in and out of our life in that season. Like there's right. college friends I catch up with every several months or even every couple of years, you know, and mm -hmm. that's totally okay. I think we, we put so much pressure on ourselves to have it look the way that it used to, but as seasons change, you're the way that you connect with people well too. And, yeah. And yeah, for sure totally fine and normal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks for touching on that. That was a curveball, but you, you do work a lot with women 
what do you love most about working with women specifically? Yeah, so I think the thing that God has been preparing me most for when I stepped into this season is to realize, and this came through personal experience, is women really do struggle with knowing their identity. And so there is so much noise in the world trying to tell women specifically who they are, whether it's social media, whether it's print media, whether it's the TV, whether it's even their own friends, there is so many, whether it's your mom, like there are so many voices, so much noise that is speaking into the identity of women. And what I love most about my position and my platform is that I get to be a voice in that, but I'm not trying to tell them who they are. I'm trying to tell them how Christ defines them. And I think that that truly is the only way that we find freedom and the only way that we find like peace within ourselves is when we know how our father designed us, how our father created us and how much our father loves us, regardless of what the scale says, regardless of what our pan size is, regardless of our achievements, regardless of the brand of makeup that we have, regardless of the amount of money that we have, you are just because you are his daughter, fully known, fully loved, fully accepted and fully his. And so the greatest blessing that I've had is to kind of walk through that struggle personally. And I'm still, you know, walking in that of trying to find my identity, but I now get the ability to speak into so many other women and say, you don't have to listen to the noises of this world. You can listen to the voice of truth. And when you begin to listen to that, like you can find freedom, you can find identity and you can find the purposes that God has for your life. When you just tap into how God defines who you are. Yeah. I'm sure like the, I'm sure the cool and hard part about that is that you're finding, especially working with the broad range of ages that you work with in the church now, that you're finding that that struggle, that inner like battle with like your identity as a woman never ends. Like it's universal. It, yeah. it, it's no matter what age, it it's never ending. And it's something that you can't just like decide one day, oh, I'm a child of God, and then everything's free and dandy. It's like a daily yeah and a yeah. choice to be like, okay, yeah. still, still a child of God, even though. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly right. It's every day waking up and reminding yourself of your identity as opposed to letting other people tell you what your identity is. And so, and that, like you said, I mean, I have women who are with grandbabies and they're like, I just don't even know like what I'm supposed to do with my life. Or I have college students that are like, I just got to ECU and I don't even know what college is. I don't even know how to spell college, like help. <laughs> and so there's all in between of this gamut of people that it's like, yeah, we're all actually searching for the same thing. And so if, if we could all link up and do this journey together, that's what's going to be like the most beneficial and the most beautiful. And it's like remembering a pressure that I've take off of myself is that it's not solely my job to do that for the women of this house. It's, it's all of our jobs as women of Christ to be able to speak into other women and be like, no, you are beloved. You are the apple of God's eye. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are designed with a purpose and on purpose, like speaking the words of truth over, not just ourselves, but speaking that out to other people. Like, that's what I want to do in, with my influence is to be able to influence other people so that they can influence other people because my reach is but only so far. But if we could set everybody free and it's for freedom's sake that we get to do that and they set other people free, like that's just a wildfire of freedom that happens right. 
simply because you made the choice of, I know who I am because who God defines me as. And I'm going to speak that goodness out over even just the two of y'all. And then y'all speak it out over your people. And it just, it goes and goes and goes. It's like a ripple. Uh, water yeah. ripple. I'm curious as someone who experienced Greenville <laughs> going to ECU my first year <laughs> in college and it just being like, I mean, it's not really a stereotype. Like ECU is definitely a different culture. Um, oh, 100%. And, <laughs> and I definitely was made well aware of that when I transferred out and saw like a different college experience. I was like, whoa, I was in for this like <laughs> way wilder ride if I would have stayed there. And so yeah, I'm curious, like, do what do you find? Do you find a lot of those younger, especially like freshmen, sophomore, college girls coming with those types of, you know, pressures and mm -hmm. um, feelings of like guilt or shame for things that they've partaken, partaked, partook, partook. I don't know the past tense. Of partaken? Is partaken? Is it partaken? Partaketh. Yeah. Partaketh in. Oh, yes. Brew. 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 <laughs> We're getting real. <laughs> um, but yeah, do you find a lot of those girls coming to you with those types of struggles or are those not even the ones that are coming at all? Because yeah, so I'm just curious. Yeah, I think one of the really beautiful things about our college ministry is the fact that we are a college ministry like on such a secular campus. And I think genuinely that is what the church is supposed to be. We're not supposed to go into really well-lit areas. We're supposed to go into dark places. Say, and so, say it again. And if I've learned, I've learned, if I've learned anything, it's that every single person, if you've lived more than one day, you have a story. And my story may be different from your story, but my story, just as your story, it needs God's grace and it needs God's forgiveness. And so, um, yeah, we have a lot of, we have all parts of the spectrum come to our college ministry. We have people who have never missed a day of Sunday school and youth group, and they are going to, they are determined to find that same experience here in college. And so they, they're looking for a college ministry and they get plugged in immediately. And then we also have the random people that they were at a tailgate drunk and they saw somebody wearing a fuse shirt and they were like, what's that? And then also saw a sign on campus and somehow eventually stumbled their way into this thing. And the, the hope is, is that no matter where you fall on the spectrum, we want you to find Jesus. And so if you come with guilt, if you come with shame, like we welcome that. And that's one of the things about like, uh, about our ministry that I love is it doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. We all have the same story and it's that we need Jesus. And so even if you feel like you're this really perfect person that has it all together, like you need Jesus just as much because of pride or because of just this, uh, you look down on other people. Like you need Jesus just as much as the person who was drunk yesterday and slept with someone that they don't know. And so if we can just kind of take off the, the glasses of like, uh, we only want perfect people here and, and really just have the heart that Jesus had and he was like, come unto me. Like, that's what we want. And so I love that about our college ministry is that yes, we are in the middle of ECU, which is, yes, a very big party school. And we don't shy away from that. And the thing that we don't shy away from is we don't shy away from Jesus 
because we want people to know him. We don't care if people know the name of our college ministry, but if they walk away and they heard about the name of Jesus, like that's what's going to change their story. And that's the thing that we want to leave them with. We don't want to leave them with just a feel good Tuesday evening. We want them to know who Jesus is. And so for them to be able to fully experience that, they have to come with all of their mess because if they come with only part of their baggage, they've got a long journey ahead of them. But if they can bring all of that to the foot of the cross, that's when they'll find freedom and healing. I mean, amen. Mm. Um, <laughs> yes, and amen. The, the, we touched, we just touched on shame, and obviously, you know, soul, and you know, heart and soul is about shameless living, and yeah. a lot of that story comes from, or the, the root of that slogan comes from our story with body image. Um, so, can mm. you kind of walk us through maybe? some lies that you've believed as a woman about your body image and some ways, some tangible and spiritual ways that you've like walked through that and tried to conquer and overcome some of those lies. Yeah, for sure. So, um, we were actually just talking about this on the beach. I asked Catherine, I said, when was the first time that you remember having the thought I'm fat? And we both talked about how our experience with that was in elementary school, which is so sad. Like, less than 10 years old and you're already speaking this over you and and some of that language comes from either the people around you or maybe even your parents of them always feeling like they have to keep up with the joneses and they're doing this diet and that diet and whatever and so i too from a young age struggled with body image and just not being secure in the body that god had given me because i was bigger than a lot of my friends or i was taller than a lot of my friends or one of the things that was a real big difference was I was a big tomboy growing up. Like I didn't love the dresses and playing with the dolls. Like I was out, I remember playing flag football and playing like wall ball and playing basketball with all the guys that were in school. And so there was just so many ways and so many areas where I felt like, man, I just do not fit in. And like, I don't fit in because of my body. I don't fit in because of my hobbies. I just don't fit in. I'm not like people around me. And that led me to really trying to find again, I'm going to start listening to the voices around me to try and find my identity. And so it ended up leading me down a lot of paths um, and just a lot of like brokenness really where I, I was, I was constantly trying to define myself. But I remember when I lived in Wilmington, um, I didn't know it at the time, but I had some health issues. Um, and one of the like kind of side effects of that health issue was that I had just um, had this inability to lose weight and just kept gaining weight. Um, it was, there was some imbalances with my hormones within my body and um, it did not matter what I did. I was at the time working out like six, seven days a week. I had a nutritionist, like I was doing all the right things and it just wasn't working out. And I remember praying to God because I was so frustrated and it was like, God, I'm doing all the things that I should be doing to reach this goal and to attain this thing. And it was almost as if God said in that moment, he was like, but why are you doing it? Like, what's the motivation behind why you're trying to lose weight? And at the core of it is because I was trying to get affirmation from other people. I was trying to be approved by other people. I was trying to find like wholeness from, hey, Liz, you look really good. Or have you lost weight? Or, you know, wow, you're really good at this. Or you're so good at that. And it was like, I was constantly looking to other people to affirm me. And one of those was through like losing weight and being athletic and things like that. And so God was like, I'm not going to allow you to walk into all the things you necessarily want to walk into until I get your heart right first. And I don't, I'm not saying that God wouldn't allow me to lose weight, but I think God will do anything to get our attention. And I think that was one of the ways that he got my attention um, was just that if your motivation is so that other more people will love you because you equate skinniness with love 
I'm going to break that because that is not how I define love. Nowhere in scripture will you see that God's love is conditional. And so he wanted me to begin to understand that I am fully loved just as I am. Granted, you should strive for health and, and to honor the body and the temple that God has given to you. But if you're doing it for the motivation of, I need this affirmation, I really do think God loves us enough to not let us have idols in our lives like that. And so he'll, he'll, he'll bring us into places where our focus becomes him. And, and so after that, I was kind of like, okay, God, like, however you want to take this journey like do that. I'll, I'll submit to that. And I ended up going to a doctor and we got everything kind of worked out. And from that, I was able to be, be more healthy and allow myself to kind of get to a place where I was able to do the things that I wanted to do and needed to do. And through that, I actually found this love for CrossFit, which was this kind of really great way for me to express my athleticism and just kind of have a way of just meeting people and doing life with people. And it's been so cool because God's actually used that love for CrossFit to be another place for me to be able to do ministry. And like in a month or two months, whenever gyms start kind of opening back up again, I'm actually going to be a coach at my CrossFit gym. And so God has really in the last quarantine season been really working on me of like, you still have some insecurities. You still call yourself fat. You still say all these negative things. You still have so much negative self-talk about you. I'm not going to put you in a position of leadership where you have the authority to speak over other people if you're still speaking lies to yourself. And so God has been really working in me. And like one of the things that I've recently started doing over the last couple of weeks is every morning when I wake up, I have to write down three things that I like about my personality and three things that I like about my body. And you can't repeat them. And so it's like, God is really trying to get me to a place of like, I love myself for who I am. And now I want you to be able to see that you can love yourself for who you are too, because there's this scripture that a lot of Christians know. And it's, you know, we're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then we're to love our neighbor as ourself. And I think a lot of people negate that last part of I'm supposed to love my neighbor as I love myself. So if I don't love myself, I can't actually love my neighbor. And so if I'm not doing the things I need to, to take care of me, to make sure that I'm being whole and being wise and being loved, then I can never do what God has actually called me to do. And that's love other people. And so God has just been trying to dismantle these lies that, that affirmation from people is what I crave and what I need. And that's how I'll be sustained. He's tried to dismantle like the negative self-talk that I've had in my life of that. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not enough. And he's really been just trying to rewrite that with, but what does my word say about you? Because I actually knit you together in your mother's womb. And so I have the right to define who you are. And I never once looked at your body. I never once looked at your abilities. I never once looked at your influence or your, um, your income or any of those things. I just looked at you and said, this is very good. And so to just be reminded of those truths from scripture and then just allowing God to use you in the places that he wants to use you. Like that's kind of been the biggest lessons that I've learned with body image. We're going to have a lot of noise in our life, but if we can just anchor ourselves to the word and truth of God, like that's when we'll able to be able to flourish in the things that God wants us to do. Yeah. So good. I mean, you know, what's what's I'm, it's crazy that you brought up that scripture. And I think that God does this with like repetition is I was listening to a, a book, a, a Christian book this weekend on audible. And it was talking about, um, it, it was an interview with this author who wrote a book called, um, mother's daughters and body image. And she's a Christian writer. Mm -hmm. And it's just all about like finding your identity. And as a mom speaking that over your children, so you kind of stop that generational, 
Um, curse. Curse. Yes. Thank you. And, but she said, you know, we always hear that scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. And she said, what if we flipped that and said, love you as you love your neighbor? Because sometimes wow. we love our neighbor True. bodies mm-hmm. and we won't tear apart our neighbors or our friends or our coworkers or our acquaintances bodies, because mm-hmm. to us, they're not imperfect. They're fine. We like their body. Yeah. But when we look at ourselves, we tear ourselves apart. And she was like, I think sometimes as women, we need to flip that when it comes to body image of like, love yourself as you love your neighbor. That's exactly, it's funny you said that, because that's exactly what I thought (laughs) was brought up. Like, yeah, those two need to be able to go both ways. Both ways, yeah. Yeah. Um, And if you think about it, like all the people that have ever had the most influence over you, it's never had anything to do with how skinny they are what they look like yeah (laughs) yeah wow so true so good and that practical um application that you're doing each morning where you're writing down three things that you like about your personality and your body and they can't be the same that like me because i was like oh shoot like i feel like i would put the same three things every day dude it is so hard and you're supposed to actually do the practice for four weeks because that'll make it like a habit, but it's, it's obviously to rewrite the negative self-talk that you have in your, within yourself. And it is hard. Like you have to get creative. Like after probably no joke, after probably like day three, I was like, I don't have anything else I like (laughs) about myself. Like I'm not trying to be negative. I just can't like, I already have a hard time like responding to compliments anyway. And so now I feel like the Lord's trying to tell me like, Oh, compliment yourself. And I'm like, do you know me? Cause it's not going to work. Okay. But it, it, it has truly been crazy. Like I, and this is all God and I've only been doing it for a couple of weeks now, but I have noticed how I'm not so quick to say like, oh, I'm so fat or, I mean, I'm not perfect. So I clearly mess up and I literally ate half a gallon of bluebells this weekend. So it's like, it's, I mean, it's all, it is what it is, but it's like, <laughs> I, I am less inclined when I start my day with the truths of who I am, as opposed to like throughout the day, trying to like backtrack, it has really been a game changer for me of like, I'm looking through the lens of positivity. I'm looking through the lens of goodness, as opposed to I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Oh crap. I'm not supposed to think like that. And it's like, it's harder to go back. So if you can just start the day with those things, it's like, it really truly is a game changer. It's freaking hard, but like what easy thing has God told you to do? Uh, I'm in. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I kind of want our, if any listener out there is listening to this and like wants to take on that challenge, I would like love to do that with y'all. Cause yeah. I, I think that would be a really cool thing that we could do as a community. Mm-hmm. Um, so DM us or email us at heart and soul podcast at gmail.com. If you want to, if you want to jump in on that, I know we're, um, kind of going, going over our hour but you're just so good. Um, we're going to end, sorry. we're going to end with, um, four questions that we ask every single guest. So, um, your turn. <laughs> so she knows cause she listens. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, first question is what is something that you are binging right now or currently obsessed with? Um, well, I feel like it's all repeats of things that you've said because we've binged them all together, but obviously Outer Banks, my new obsession actually is defining who in my life is a pogue and who in my life is a kook. That is my current obsession. And it's like the, it's so fun. If you have a group of friends, just go through and try and see who's who um, in that. But that's kind of been my my most recent. I'm actually not a big like TV Netflix person. I I just have never really gotten into that kind of stuff. But obviously quarantine has 
life changer, game changer. Um, so yeah, I would say probably Outer Banks has become my most popular obsession because I just call everyone co- kooks and pogues. And if you make yeah. me mad, it's because you're obviously a kook. <laughs> well, what's funny is this weekend, and this is so like, this is so childish, but this is who we are. We went through our mutual friends on Facebook name by name and labeled them as kook or pogue. Just based on it's like really, attitude, it's not really like, it doesn't mean you're mean or nice. It's no, just, no, 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 no. I'm definitely more kooky than I am pokey. I'm just gonna. You're a hundred percent kook, but it's cool. <laughs> it, it, if you don't know, now you know. You need okay. to watch the show, find out who you are, and then ask your friends. It's really all about self-identification. And talk about self-identification. I was literally just to say, talk about identity. Like, you better write that down in your journal. Like, be honest with yourself. <laughs> um, okay, next question. Uh, what is something that you are looking forward to this year? Wow. Um, I would absolutely say getting out of quarantine would be the thing I'm looking forward to. Um, but truly, it's just the next chapters that God has for me, uh, especially with this whole um, platform of being able to coach at my gym. Uh, that I mean, we don't have enough time, but that whole story has just been such God's hand in that whole thing um, of just how he's allowed me to be the person that I am, but just be able to love on people. And I think just real quick, like so many times we get into our little Christian bubbles and we have such a hard time of remembering that there is real life that's happening. That's like not Christian real life. Like, yeah, people are struggling in their marriage or they're having trouble with their kids or like, I'm not trying to diminish the problems that people have in life. But then it's like, if you get outside that Christian bubble, it's like, oh wait, but there's like people that like are addicted to like pornography or drugs or, you know, they're alcoholics or their families are falling apart because of like infidelity. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen in the church. Please hear me on that. But it's like, I think so many times we just get so consumed in our Christian bubble that we forget that real life happens outside of that. And so for me to be able to just kind of expand my outside of the bubble world, I'm so looking forward to doing that because you know, not everybody's going to come to my church, but there's a lot of people that are going to go to that gym that don't know who Jesus is. And I have the ability to, to not preach a sermon to them, but just live my faith out loud and love on them and, and hopefully get to see God do some really incredible things through that platform. Yeah, for sure. I'm pumped for you. That's really cool. Thanks. It's awesome. And just knowing who's like in the gym too. And I, I don't know, I, like, I'm just like, ah, okay. I know it's crazy. It's crazy. All right. Um, next question. What is something that you love about yourself? Mm. Um, so this is actually, I've got, you know, lists things <laughs> that I love about myself, but I'll, I'll do one thing about my personality and one thing about like my actual body. I yep. have amazing legs. Um, it's just true. ask Catherine. I it's really do. I've done nothing for them. It's all genetics, but they're like the most muscular thing. I could gain 6,000 pounds and I would still have my little chicken legs. Um, <laughs> So those are, they're, they're great. I love my legs. It's the easiest thing to, I also love my curly hair. Those are two things. So bonus point. Um, something else I love about me. I'm really funny. Like I'm, I'm like top notch humor. I'm just kidding. But I I do love that. I have the ability to make other people smile and laugh. And, and I think God's blessed me with that ability to be able to do that. So yeah. Brew. Brew. All right. Last question. If you could leave telling women one thing, what would it be? Oh, shoot. Women's time. shoot, Bill. Um, that no matter what your story is, no matter what you've walked through, no matter where you have come from, there's always enough grace and love 
at the foot of the cross and there is room at the table for you. There is open arms in God's house for you. And even if the church has hurt you before, even if you've been jaded by someone who's called them a Christian, like God's love and God's grace and God's goodness is still and will always be for you, even if you never accept it. Like God is for you. He loves you. And it, there's nothing that you could do to earn a higher status with him. And there's nothing that you could do that would lose your status with him. It's unconditional and forever. And so you are fully just as you are loved, seen, and known. Mm. Drop the mic. <laughs> what a feel good episode. I mean, I'm feeling good. Yes, I was really hoping that you guys liked me. <laughs> so good. You know, like sometimes, I mean, I don't know because I'm not on y'all's side of the table, but I feel like you can have an interview and you're like, hey, sure. you know, that wasn't yeah, like, great. Like I'm underneath the table, like squeezing Chelsea's leg. <laughs> yeah, like, and you're like, we've got it in this, wrap this up, wrap this up. And so I'm glad that I didn't get the, the wrap it up squeeze. Uh, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. We'll find out if this ever makes air. So we'll see. No, I feel like we could have talked to you for another two hours. For for sharks. For sharks. Well, you guys have my number now, so you can call me anytime. I'll guest, <laughs> yeah. I'll guest host one day, maybe. Well, yeah. um, where can our listeners find you? Because I'm sure that some of them have um, some thank yous or questions for you. And I know that you're always available for women. So how can they find you the best way without giving your cell phone number? Oh, okay. So that's nine one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm on social media at Liz Brantley. Um, I'm not super, super active on that. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. It's just kind of a seasonal thing. Um, but you can find out more information about like me and my church at ignitechurch.com or you can find out about our college ministry at ecufuse.com. And both of those have social medias as well. And we drop content on that, especially now in this season. Like there's devotions that I've done. There's different things that I've done on both of those platforms. So you can look those up there. But yeah, that's kind of the best way to call me, beat me if you want to reach me. Yeah. And if Liz doesn't answer her DMs, because like she said, she is not good at social media. We're working on it. Her email <laughs> is liz.brantley, B-R-A-N-T-L-E-Y at ignitechurch.com. And we'll put yeah. all the information linked in our bio so that you can find her if you have any questions for her. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, best friend. Oh, no problem. So great to see you. I just saw you a few hours ago, but I love seeing you again. And, you know, just you call me anytime you want to talk to me, okay? Okay, I'll call you now. Okay, bro. Okay, bro. <laughs> Whoa, that was new and I loved it. it was yeah, like the little R roll. That's good. Yes. Okay, queens. Okay, love you so much. Love you guys. And listeners, we will talk to you next week. Bye.